0: This episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane, and with me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello. Today is March 20th, uh, the first day of spring, I've been informed. It's Um, bird season. (laughs) It's always bird season. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we've got a really great show for you today. We're going to debate the meaning of the word literary, which I promise is more exciting than maybe it sounds at first. But I think that that's a conversation that kind of exists at the tip of everyone's tongue as they talk about books. And so there's going to be, I think, some interesting thoughts there. Um, But before we dig into that hot topic, why don't you tell us what's going on?
1: Yeah, some housekeeping that's important because it's for sure is the only kind of housekeeping I'm doing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So our query show, our Mm -hmm. show where we critique queries, Mm -hmm. is already out. Our first pages show comes out this Thursday, March 23rd. Now, if you don't know about these, these are our special content episodes that are available through Patreon, which is patron with an E. Um, And so... You still have time, submit your first page in your query to printrunpodcast at gmail.com. We will, you know, we, we probably give about 10 to 15 minutes to every to yeah, every submission that so. we end up putting on the show. So it's a really, really great way to not only see what other queries are like and what we like about other queries, but also about yours. So reminder, send send that to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com and take a listen on Thursday.
0: Yep. Sounds good. Um, so Should we get to some news? We should. (laughs) I love Um, news. Yeah. Um, Well, I feel like the news hasn't been very kind to us over the last stretch of time, but um, this news is great. Because we've got – this is from Publishers Weekly um, who has let me know this – that the New York Times book desk is introducing a literary advice column where you can like email in questions.
1: So like I can email them and say, (laughs) dear New York Times book desk, my heart hurts because I read – uh, <laughs> something sad. What's the one with the fox and the and the where the red fern grows? Oh, That's yeah, a dog. yeah, 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 yeah. Because I read where the red fern grows.
0: Well, so it looks like it. Looks what do like I do? Do look- I
1: date it? Do I ask it out?
0: <laughs> well, so it looks like it looks like the idea here is that you can email in, and you give like details about your reading habits, and whoever um, the columnist at the Times is will um it says right here it's written by Nicole Lamy um um. It sounds like she'll just like give you a book recommendation based on your reading habits and stuff, which is great, a bomb, but it is not at all what I want a literary advice column for. I want to like email in and be like, Stephen King won't tweet me back. What do, do I, I do? Get, <laughs> how do I get Stephen King to apologize for the fact that he made James Franco his audiobook reader instead of me? He didn't. Yeah, no, I'm I'm furious about that. I really wanted to be like my dream job is like Stephen King's audiobook.
1: You have such a great radio voice. <laughs> I mean, look look uh, at how good you are.
0: Look at look at how good I am, folks. Um, how
1: do we get George R. Martin to write? Yeah, more? exactly. You no,
0: know, there are way better questions that we could be asking um, the New York Times for help with. Um, you know, how do I finish my nano book before March? That'd be a great thing to write in. How
1: do I stop my tears from falling <laughs> onto my book on my lap at a coffee shop yeah. in public? Yeah. What 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 brand of mascara is the best for public ugly crying because of a book? These <laughs> are the we, questions I want to know the I answer want, to. I want
0: print run listeners to flood this, by the way. Like I want all of the columns that happened in the New York times for this to be definitely people who've listened to this show. Like we could definitely overrun this with our own content.
1: Do you know, Um, do you know what my favorite part about this, this advice column it's Uh called Matchbook, And Uh if that sounds really familiar, that's because that's the program that Amazon has with their Kindle, where if you buy a print book through Amazon, you can get a discounted ebook. Hmm. So like, They didn't even come up with a fresh name. Can we email them about that and say, can you give me some advice about why out of all of the, the book publishing things you could do, you named it after an Amazon program? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Ooh, man. But anyway, I'm I'm very excited. I'm going to write in all the time. Um it's never going to be for book recommendations. Though maybe I'll get one anyway, you know. Well, like I'll says... write in about stuff like about like my, you know, crippling anxieties and things <laughs> and show this like you should read and then just like some just innocuous novel.
1: Well, it says it's about your literary needs and desires. And I feel like oh. my literary needs are not necessarily what book I should be reading next, but like how to eat cake and turn pages at the yeah, exactly, same time. Yeah.
0: Well, that'll be good. Um, I hope Nicole is ready um, because I I'm gonna send her a lot of emails. We're gonna become <laughs> very familiar. <laughs> I'm looking blocked. forward to yeah. this. If
1: she actually responds, yeah. we need to read it on the show. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, but I actually want to get get to the. Should we get to it? I want to get to the the big chunk of, okay. of this episode okay. and it and it has to do with me being an asshole <laughs> so here's what happened folks oh, man. Um, <laughs> uh, last week if you tuned in you know that we did a big episode about Angie Thomas's the hate you give which uh-huh. just came out and it's a YA novel based upon the Black Lives Matter movement uh-huh. um, and You know, a lot of people were responding and, you know, I I think it's fair to say that a big chunk of our listeners are YA authors and YA readers and all of that. Most of them probably, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, Eric and I were talking about how we should do some sort of like print run reading series where like Eric reads a YA book, which he – hasn't done in a million years and i would read something that i haven't read in a million years and i automatically said yeah you can read a ya book and i can read like some like white man literary fiction (laughs) and then and then as soon as i said that and it was in writing it was like through slack so like i can never get rid of it
0: yeah i got mad at that
1: (laughs) he got really mad Um, at it for good reason
0: well so I mean the so let's break this down for a second. The problem that I had with it was that it first of all it turned white man literature into a genre genre in place of modern literary fiction. Um, That was somehow also like my favorite thing, Um, which is none of those things are true. Which is wrong. Um, But more than you know, more interesting than me being mad about something. um, Literally everything is more interesting than me being mad about something. Um, But um, I think that there is an interesting conversation to be had about the connotations of what the word literary means, of what it implies in the book world, um, of what it evokes in people's minds and how people use it. Because I think one truth about it is that it's sort of just come to mean whatever anyone wants it to mean. You know, if you're someone who really likes literary fiction, it has this sense of, you know, you take it to mean sophistication and adult and, you know, Clearly, if it's
1: me, it's, like, white male and, like, and not fun. But I
0: think there's, like, an antagonist... There's an antagonizing side of what literary means to a lot of people, which is very um, white and male and establishment and closed off and pretentious and all these things. And I guess, like, my intrigue here is, like, why... How has this kind of happened? And how can it be broken apart? Um, because I think that we would probably both agree that... Um, it's sort of a – it's a wrong classification first of all, but even more than that, it's just – it's not very useful and it sort of just hurts both – as if there's only two types of books, literary and none. That's not what I mean. But like um, it sort of hurts everyone, this sort of rigid classification and this sort of amorphous um, problem that comes from no one actually ha- having the same definition of what literary means. Um, and so –
1: Yeah. For, for, a, for an industry that prides itself on, you know – Using words well and yeah. being exact with things, we sure don't know what the hell we're talking about a lot of the time yeah. with our own classifications. Right. Um, yeah, I, you know, and I think I think a lot of this gets back to something that we've kind of unofficially and kind of by accident have done on the show, kind of at least on my end, as mm-hmm. a very knee-jerk reaction hmm. where, you know, Eric does the serious books and I do the fun books. Right. And yeah. to say that his books can't be fun and my books can't be serious just harms everybody. It, it's
0: just, it's, it, yeah, no, it, it makes both sides, um, comer- I guess the dichotomy here is if you're trying to really make a binary, commercial is, and good. Is com- yeah, it's com- exactly, it's commercial and literary. um, Which, and it hurts both, like you're saying, because Um, Like we just talked about um, last week. Like, what do you do with a book like The Hate You Give? Because that book is YA. It's classified as YA. Mm-hmm. It's all these things. But would anyone actually credibly argue that that book isn't sophisticated and containing themes that stretch beyond itself and would probably match most definitions that people would have for the word literary? And technically
1: you, very well you know written I mean? like, and executed. Yeah. Aren't you
0: selling that book short by making literary mean a specific thing that isn't that and something else? And by the same token, aren't you making a lot of really good literary fiction? Um, I don't know. Like... I'm thinking of the what are the biggest books of last year, right? Like you have, you know, The Sellout or the Underground Railroad or The Mothers, um, which I've just started, by the way. Is it good? That's the um, I'm gonna pick it right now because you know we do award stuff on this show. Okay. Um, That's gonna win everything. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. No, I'm ready. I'm the ready Mothers is going to win everything for next year. I don't care what else gets published this you year. You won
1: this b- year, too, and then I had to read Jonathan Franzen.
0: <laughs> <his laughs> Speaking of white <sighs> establishment assholes. Um, but, uh, no, that book is going to win everything, by the way. That's my hot take of the day is that uh, the Mothers will be um, cleaning up. But um,
1: Like m- Mothers <laughs> do oftentimes. Yeah.
0: As, as Mothers do oftentimes. <laughs> um, wow. We are really something uh... here. But so – I want to talk about um, you know, this kind of system of classification and, um, because one thing that the YA community um, and all, all of genre fiction really prides itself on, I think, um, and I think you'd agree, is this idea of um, openness and sort of identity-based inclusion. Right. Correct. It's you know these are fields that at least I mean obviously there are you know detractors at every level for this kind of stuff but like ya it seems to me like watching the conversations happen online and watching the publishing programs especially when like a book that maybe has some problematic elements you know comes out there's just this groundswell of um, you know people call it out you know and the point is that um, it sure seems like genre fiction they
1: care about the quality they
0: care about the quality and they care about um, the you know, sort of progressive inclusion of groups and voices that aren't necessarily heard as much as they should be, right? And so, but I also think that the YA community tends to do, and I, I know you're going to have some, you know, a flip side of this that I also agree with, but, um, you know, this sectioning off, this saying, well, literary is this white male thing. It's this, you know, that sort of identity-based classification, it actually erases, it erases a lot of writers, doesn't it? Um, like you're erasing all the people we ju- I just listed as literary fiction. You're erasing um, basically any, you know, writer who isn't a white guy who is writing um, for someone who isn't a teen because, again, we don't actually know what literary means. So anyone who isn't <laughs> writing for this specific audience and isn't a white guy, um, they don't figure into this calculus at all, it feels like. Yeah. And that to me seems really erasing. And it's less a problem of well, this is what um, you know genre fiction as a conversation is doing and more um, a symptom of the same problem as I just described that we have no working and agreed upon definition of what literary means. Like if we're going to have a system where genre rules the day and classification is how we talk about books, um, then literary has to exist as a classification that means something. Like if I told you, um, tell me about what's in a you know, science fiction book, like in terms of genre conventions and things, you'd be able to list me some things.
1: I would. And what's the a, same with romance and the, and the exactly. same with fantasy so like, and the same with mystery and thriller.
0: And so, And that's so often how we talk about books. But if I said, what's in a literary fiction novel?
1: Like that's very tricky. strained that's suburban <laughs> women drinking coffee, like that's yeah, all I got.
0: I know. Um, and multi generational yeah, yeah, whatever. I, but, but
1: that's yeah, not. That's just. That's, r- that's it's just so something. so
0: incomplete. Exactly. And I think that you know you said this. Um, you've said this before. Um, is that literary fiction so often is whatever's left, right? Yeah.
1: Well, it's be it's because, and and okay, so it's because you have. Genre fiction, which is romance, mystery, thriller, suspense, science fiction, fantasy, etc. You know, for adult stuff, right? And you have all of that. And then those things have very particular plot devices, they have very particular content. Requirements. They have all of these things that need there to be conventions
0: checked. and ex- expectations that always exist, and you can either choose to uphold them or it's a point when you not exactly get, when you go against and so them. Yeah.
1: you're and and I, I feel like with these genres as as a as a writer, you're constantly engaging with that with that genre wide expectation. Yeah, and and literary, at least to me, yeah, is everything that's left over that's not you know technically awful <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yeah,
0: like it's exactly it's, like, it's
1: everything that is 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 kind of left over which is why I was so surprised when like my knee-jerk reaction was to when we were talking about things that I didn't read yeah to go oh yeah like white dude literary fiction as yeah. like this is what literary fiction is and yeah. like it's by a white dude but the, the thing is is that the last two books that I've read uh-huh. have been literary fiction, right. and they've also been um, y- y- you know the, I just I just completely blanked out on that I just yeah. completely blanked out yeah. and of course that's what it is of yeah. course it is, but my my reaction to that is I can't like you just I'm so upset with myself <laughs> because oh, well, because so. it's it's I can't define a genre. Like I can't define literary fiction as something that is what's left, but then also essentialize it and say that it's only this one thing. Well,
0: it's both. It's it's yeah no. It, well, it's such a strange thing to do, and I file, I fall I fall into this a lot too. Or, it's the in terms of scope and breadth, it's the biggest category. Oh, it's huge. Not that it's like the most. I don't know if it's the most published, but it, in terms of what it can be, it's the widest ranging category, while also feeling the most exclusive. Does that make sense? And yeah. I want to talk about that feeling of exclusion for a second because I think that's where a lot of this comes from. Um, so let me let me pose it to you this way: Why do you think um, why do you think literary fiction carries the connotation of being pretentious and exclusionary?
1: Because they have more awards. Yep. Per, yep, totally. per book published mm-hmm. and it's also for smart people yep. like there's this idea that you have to engage with the writing yeah. and you have to <laughs> chew on it and it's like you can't just yeah. like rip through it yeah. in the same way. and it's one of those yeah. things where you have to talk about rereading it and having it mean different things at different the, parts of your life this is
0: where this is where fun gets juxtaposed against it too right it, because
1: it's work because mm-hmm. it's oftentimes yeah. considered work yeah To read a book like this. You know, it's emotionally taxing. It's, you know, they're doing new things with form or, you know, they spend 20 pages on a, you know, a a woman (laughs) drinking coffee and being sad, like in suburbia or like whatever. And it's. You know it's it's just it's hard for a yeah. lot of reasons it it hits you about you know the the difficult things about being human. It's hard to read it's it pays a lot of attention to to craft and how things are woven together, so you can't just like chew it and move on yeah, like it's it's work, and it's not which which I'm saying all of this, but that's absolutely not true yeah. like it's not always true like you can have beautiful sentences and hard hitting emotional stories without these things. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think it's intimidating. Like as a reader, you know, I consider – I don't na- naturally consider myself a reader of literary fiction because when I think of literary fiction, I, you know, like in my heart of hearts think I'm not smart enough for this.
0: Yeah, but you've also said something very interesting to me lately um, on this front, which is that you, you felt – you know, you said this once, um, that you feel like you were finding yourself drifting more and more towards literary fiction fiction, through no real directive of your own through no real um like it's not like you woke up one day and were like i want to start working on more lit fic i want to start signing more lit fic authors um but you just kind of observed it one day to me over a little chat where you said i feel all of a sudden like my books um you know and some of the people i'm signing and stuff you know they're they're getting more literary and i think there's something really interesting in the fact that that was a realization more than an overt choice, yeah, um, because it means that once again, that literary doesn't quite work as a category. It's more of a quality to be noticed in something. You it is that? a quality, you know what I'm isn't it? Like a not a not quality, a quality, as in a trait. I mean, like a, yes. you know, I'm not trying to say it's like qu- literary equals better. I'm saying that <laughs> it's a there's a certain aesthetic that comes with literary as a term that um, you were starting according to you notice more and more in some of the projects you were working on yeah in a lot
1: of my my adult books and also in a lot of my my children's stuff specifically like the the middle grade like all of a sudden i found myself being drawn away from like the super fun adventure like woohoo, like middle grade books and being drawn toward a lot of like deep feeling middle grade yeah which isn't to say adult but it means you know it's it's you know like more just more of that which who knows why that happened
0: it's still happening (laughs)
1: but
0: the fact again i think it's fascinating that it's something that sort of happens to people and i think this is true of the best um literary fiction writers by the way is that they don't sit down and think and this is kind of this is all actually this is it Uh, this has been the crux of my frustration with um trying to pin down what literary means um it's that um most of these writers they don't sit down and think i'm going to write an upmarket literary fiction book can you
1: explain to our audience what upmarket is
0: it means for a more i don't know like a reader that's a little bit more sophisticated educated um upmarket is like um you know more serious stuff like if you think about it in terms of nonfiction, it's like um history with a little bit more like sophistication or like you know science with you know something you might have to really engage with like Upmarket means um, like harder. You like, got to do
1: a little bit more yeah, heavy exa- lifting.
0: Exactly. Um, so like it's a term that also kind of like you see upmarket get attached to literary a lot too because of this connotation that literary, like you were just saying, means work and difficulty in reading. Um, but no one, I don't think any, I don't think any of the best litfic uh, books out there were written with the thought beforehand that I'm going to sit down and write a literary fiction novel. I think these people sat down and wrote their books and worried about classification and genre later and what happens when you don't and what happens when you don't think about the genre and the classification and all this stuff until afterward is that you don't really pay that much attention to it and it doesn't really quite fit cleanly anywhere and so because it doesn't quite fit cleanly anywhere it ends up getting called literary if it's any good. You know, like if you just write, if you basically, if you write a good novel that no one has any idea what to do with,
1: it's literary. you just fiction. call it
0: literary yeah. or you call it general fiction, which is kind of like, and that's the other really interesting part of this, right? Is that gen- in terms of like book selling and stuff, general and literary are often interchangeable. Oh, yes. But general doesn't sound very smart or sophisticated, does no, it? No. That General, very, so
1: like in my <clears> brain, <throat> yeah. and Eric, you, you work more closely in this, so you might tell me if my brain is on the right track or not. Um, but I see general fiction is is what we were talking about, everything that's left. And yeah. then out of general fiction, yeah. you can take, like, women's fiction. Mm-hmm. So, like, like it's j- yeah. literally it's just l- women's fiction is either general or, like, literary fiction that yeah. has, like, a female-focused bench sure. to it as far as, like, the reader and the main characters. Yeah. Um, and so you have, like, that. Mm-hmm. And then you have literary fiction. Right. And that's kind of... Yeah. yeah right
0: no that makes sense to me um i don't know i mean i think of it's like you're saying like general fiction is it's i mean it, honestly to me it means something very very similar to literary because if it has any defining traits beyond that it gets put somewhere like if it's um like if you go to a barnes and noble or any bookstore and you go to the front table that says fiction no classification to it just like new fiction or like new paperbacks or whatever most of that stuff is literary fiction correct yeah and it's like but at the same time it's not being called that in the store like the table doesn't say literary fiction like usually there's like a literature section of the store but like in terms of like what just gets placed on the general stuff all that stuff would also be called literary yeah usually um and it's like it's this weird but like general doesn't really have the same um connotations. And I feel like, you know, people like me, the same
1: quality. Connotations. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. so when
0: uh, honestly, like I kind of bristle at general sometimes, like if someone says, what do you work on? I never say general fiction, because it sounds boring as hell. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like You sound stupid. Um, and it's like, you want literary, but again, literary carries all this pretense and stuff. And I think you kind of touched on earlier with all these, you know, all you're right, all the awards and all the money and all of the prestige in the industry, it often kind of gets filtered into that portion of the of the world. And that um, certainly when that happens in any field um, across anything in this country and really anywhere, that's going to mean that white guys get it um, yeah. a little more than other people just based on, you know, the prejudices and uh, privileges of um, the society we live in as of now. But um, so that it is a real problem. Like when you said like part of the reason it um, – it kind of resonated when you said, well, it's white dude, you know, white as like you said, like white dude practically as a genre.
1: I did. And that's, and it's not that
0: it's not that even that it's wrong. It's that it really, it it does resonate. I mean, it's a, it's a, there's a
1: reason people think that literary fiction is white men.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a very sensitive, um, it's a very sensitive probe to hit. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a, it's a raw nerve and it, because there is, there is some truth to it. Um but it's like the way to fix that, I think, is to quit this like isolation of category because it can become kind of a self-fulfilling cycle, right? Like if you if the conversation continues as it is, which is that um literary fiction equals white guys, then that's what's gonna continue happening because any book that isn't that won't be considered literary fiction. You know, and it's like if it's in it all these people who Um, You know, you could see, you know, a future in which someone like, you know, Colson Whitehead or someone like Paul Beattie would write a novel, you know, and according to these standards, it wouldn't be literary fiction. It would be something else because literary fiction just meant it was too equal to whiteness, you know. And it's like the way to combat this is to make sure that in our dialogue, the inclusion of these people who are doing so many wonderful things, like I don't know, I think about the last few LitFix books I read – it's not white guys and that isn't to say there aren't a ton of them but it's like there are so many great people doing so many great things right now and it's like to try to isolate the genre to this one thing it hurts them more and than this anyone. one type of and, author yeah. yeah and like i don't know like um
1: it also it it also like as somebody who you know kind of lives her life in genre fiction yeah and and quite honestly finds how people talk about literary fiction very intimidating. Yeah. And, like, I work in books. Like, I'm good at books, and I am an intelligent person. But I still find it intimidating just because I don't want to – like, I want to read the book. And a lot of times, quite honestly, I don't want to engage in the book with anybody. And a lot of the rhetoric around literary fiction is that, like, you have to engage – with somebody about it, you have to announce it. it. You have to you know, announce it's people it.
0: reading Infinite Jest in the coffee shop with the jacket out, right? like that's what <laughs> nobody's we, doing. I that. I feel like that's yeah, the, that's like the. I went to a holiday image.
1: party and somebody left a copy of Infinite <laughs> oh, Jest Jesus. on an Did end table,
0: really?
1: <laughs> and they just like stood by. Yeah, yeah. this happened a couple months ago. So, anyway, yeah, no, but, but there
0: is that pretense. I think you're, I think you're right. There,
1: yeah, and it, it's you know, I find that I find that really, really intimidating, especially because. Like there's, there is, there is so much good stuff and I want to, and and, you know, especially as I'm working in genre fiction and I find it going a lot more towards literary, Yeah. you know, like I have a science fiction book coming out with Akashic next year, you you know, like that, that sort of thing. And it's like that, you you know, like station 11 won a whole bunch of awards. Oh, speaking of fun fact about Emily St. John Mandel and station 11 Mm -hmm. is on the back of the book it says science fiction. And there yeah. have been articles about yeah. how Emily St. John Mendel is like against it being called science fiction. She wants it sure she to either be literary or to be called speculative fiction. Well, so
0: let's, let's, actually, so, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So
1: she, she doesn't consider it to be science fiction. Spoiler cool. alert, it's science
0: fiction. Okay, so let let me ask you this. Why do you think she's upset about that? Like why do you think she doesn't want her book to be called science fiction? Cuz I think I know why. Cuz it's
1: not in the science fiction section. Like she's sure. not a she doesn't consider herself a science fiction author. Why she's not? a she's a she's a she's a literary literary fiction author because she's too good and she wins too many awards she and want, she has the name.
0: Yeah, because I I think it's because she wants access to that same perception of seriousness. Yeah. Right? Like and it's like I think that she's right. Like she should like According to the constructs that we've set up where literary equals, like, good and award-winning and intelligent and everything else means not that, I would absolutely want to be called literary and not something else. Like, why would I want to be called genre, which is, like, you know, slang for, like, not quite good enough, (laughs) um, which, of course, is bullshit. But, like – it just seems to me these categories, you know, not it's hurting both science fiction and literary fiction. You know what I mean? Yeah, like whereas, she like, shouldn't have to pick is genre. My point. Like, yeah, genre
1: is considered fun and like hobby and like for people that are passionate. And it's yeah. for the people. It's yeah. for it's for the geeks. It's for the yeah. nerds. It's the people who don't have very good taste. It's the right. people that just kind of like right. like stories for fun. Right. And then right. the literary stuff is for people who want to like think about what the world is like yeah. and, like, yeah. what the meaning of life is. <laughs> and you know what? You can do both.
0: You can do both. And I, I so, like, for me, literary fiction has always been kind of, a, you know, like we said, the category of, you know, we don't know what to do with this. You know, it doesn't quite fit anywhere, which I think is such a great trait, you know, because that means that there's something innovative happening. It means that there's something that maybe is really new or that we haven't seen before or takes on some sort of quality that you know, as people who are kind of trained to talk about books a certain way, we have kind of we kind of struggle with it first. So we throw it in the big amorphous box of literary, um, and and I think that's good. And I think that that would you know that kind of ability to not place things in a category right away. I think that would help a lot of different categories. Like I don't know. So do you want to? Um,
1: I want to. I want to ask you a question yeah. first, though. So yeah. we have you and I have talked quite a bit about the differences in our slush piles. Sure. About how, you know, as far as, like, I request a lot more stuff for my slush pile than you do. Yeah. And I, I'm i interested in what querying authors term literary fiction. Yeah, that's a good
0: question. In
1: your slush pile. Like, how, how do those things, like, match up and how do they diverge? Let me
0: tell you what the so in terms of, purely in terms of the queries I get. Mm-hmm. Literary, always, always, always means boring and plotless. <laughs> I'm serious. No, like okay. the books that I get that are like I've written this literary novel, and I, I now I'm gonna get a ton of emails where no one ever uses the word literary and stuff. That's not what I mean, but I'm just I'm making a point here. I'm don't like if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and thinking of querying me, like don't like change your query because I said something about you know the term literary, but like it so often means like. You know, plotless and meditative and, like, you know, multi-generational and, like, sort of just, like, a portrait of a family or some, like, drab thing where, like, nothing really happens and... I think um,
1: portrait is an interesting term because a portrait is static. It's
0: static. And it's, like, you see that so much um, in literary fiction. It's, like, and people use portrait as, like, the sophisticated word. as like, oh, well, I've written this portrait of, you know, people love to write portraits of society, of cultures, of eras of history, of all these things. And all you I see is like, okay, well then I'd rather just look at the painting, like give and me not a story, the novel. yeah. yeah. Um, but so, like, honestly, like I, as someone who loves literary fiction, I bristle at it in emails because it always means, um, like a really, like really, like purple prose, you know, like over, like totally over the top, you know, very flowery, very, um, you know, I don't know. I think of all the lit fit queries I really liked lately, none of them called themselves that really. Like they just told me I've written this book about this, which is kind of what gets back to what I was saying, um, which is that I think the best literary fiction doesn't worry about being called that. And so worrying about being called that or not is kind of a useless thing to have happen for any book.
1: So I – speaking of worrying of being literary fiction or not, I'm interested, you know, kind of also piggybacking off of our MFA conversation from last week. yeah. I feel like a lot of MFA kind of defaults to people wanting to write literary yes, fiction. Yes, I
0: totally agree.
1: Um, and I also feel like an MFA, well, it teaches you a lot of things, one thing that it really focuses on is intention. Making sure that everything is exactly what you want to say, exactly how you want to say it. And it's kind of... You know, in, in some ways that's really valuable, but in some uh-huh. ways it can kind of be overworked and overwrought. Yeah. yeah. Um and I you know, now that I'm thinking about my public perception, you know, the public perception of litfic and kind yeah. of my own personal one, I'm kind of picturing like a bunch of people sitting around a table talking very esoterically about their <laughs> their writing and like the yeah. layers that they exactly. purposefully put exactly. into that and, so and about how they want to show how smart they are.
0: Right. And you know what the problem with that is? And I think that's that's what lies at the heart of what's wrong with every um, lit fit query I get that isn't good um, is that it's trying to reverse engineer meaning like that. Like it sets mm. out to create the layers and find the layers and tell me about the sophistication and the themes Before anyone's written a story, like, they want theme and meaning and statement as things that somehow aren't naturally built upon story. They're just, like, the thing. Like, for me, um, you know, all that stuff, all those things that really make a book transcendent, um, they're natural byproducts of a really well told story and characters, right? Like, almost always. Like, I feel like that's pretty safe to say. Yeah. Um, Like, all that stuff is they're organic results, not things you set out to do. And I feel like so much of um, you know trying to think of litfic as a category leads to people trying to come up with the meanings and the byproducts before they've written the actual mechanical story,
1: which is how we get bad writing.
0: Which is how you get bad writing, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's how we so, and that's how we get that kind of like general idea of what literary yeah. fiction is. Yeah.
0: Um, so. I've been kind of toying with a definition of literary. Oh, you have? Yeah, no, and it's kind of frustrating, you know, because it's like, what what does this word actually mean? Um, But I think I have one, um, at least for me, and you can debate it, and people I'm sure will yell at me about it. But um, it just means this it's, um, so yeah, I have it written down here. I want to make sure I get it right. Um, Literary is any book that, in either um, form or, you know, theme or anything, tries and succeeds at saying something beyond its own pages does that make sense talk, like, talk
1: to me a little bit about what that means like beyond its own pages what do you what do you mean by that
0: I mean that it connects with something beyond its own story like if it's a book that um you know does something artistic that is worth you know discussing apart from itself or like taps into a theme or a conversation in the wider world that um You know, that reaches something beyond, again, like, if it's, I guess, maybe a way to simplify thinking about it is like a book that would make you talk about something other than the book itself. Mm. You know, like, if you think about so much, um, like, you know, like the true commercial genre fiction, right, like that stuff is fun because you read it and it's a good story. And
1: And that's just kind of where it ends. And
0: you set it down and you put it away and you find the next one. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like it doesn't necessarily in terms of the definition of what the book is make you want to push like in your own mind, like, you know, push further than that. And if it does, then I'd probably call it literary, you know, like a sci fi novel that somehow makes you think about things beyond, you know, the book, you know, beyond the literal story on the page. Um, I would probably call that literary. And I think like so when we talk about like last week when we talk about um, Angie Thomas, that book to me screams literary fiction. yeah because it it you know very clearly has tapped into something well beyond its own pages, right? Like I mean, I feel like so much of the discussion we're seeing, like I don't even I don't even I don't think I've even read a review of that book yet. Um, other than just hearing people talk about it and talk about what it's tapping into and all this stuff. It was on
1: the front page of the New York Times Yeah, I know. I saw that. I saw that. (laughs) That's great.
0: Um, But my point is I think there's something really great happening with it that has reached beyond its own self. And because it's done that, I feel pretty comfortable calling it literary. And I don't think that's a very controversial take. I think that that... Um, I think that YA novels can be literary. I think that sci-fi novels can be literary. I think that general fiction, which is probably the term we should start using, and should get, and I should quit, you know, worrying about how it <laughs> sounds. Um, you know, general fiction can be literary or it can not be. You know. So and in your
1: in your definition, literary is is more of an adjective than it is a category.
0: Yeah, it's a qu- yeah, it's a. It's a, a trait. quality. Yeah, it's okay. A, it's something that makes you. Um, that feels deeper than its own literal story. So you know? I,
1: I have a, I have a question for you. Sure. Then. Okay. So you've you've been talking about how your definition of literary reaches kind of beyond the pages of the book to something larger.
0: Or, or let me just give you an or real quick. Or. Or with regard to its own construction, like maybe the writing or the you know on the form level. Sure. Pushes you into a thought-provoking discussion about like a brief writing. history
1: of seven killings, having seventy-two Sh- yeah. main. If there's yeah. some,
0: if there's yeah. something worth discussing, and it has succeeded at something on a form level that is worth Not bringing any. up beyond itself. Okay, right? But yeah. so,
1: but okay, but so the way that that I'm hearing about that is kind of touching something larger. Mm-hmm. Does it, in your mind, does it also include? the 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 personal recognition that individuals find within a book. Like, if you think about, like, playing devil's advocate here. Sure. Like, think about Twilight,
0: uh-huh. right? Or, yeah. like,
1: Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Like, both of these books, uh-huh. um, personally, I wouldn't describe either of them as literary fiction. Uh-huh. But, like, you think about Fifty Shades of Grey and you think about how it became this phenomenon and it kind of touched people, specifically women, yeah. beyond... Beyond just the story and, and, you know, like Twilight allowed people to, to kind of really, really feel for these characters and really get into it. And, and like on what, see, like these both created a very public phenomenon, but they're also very mired in, in kind of personal response. And I want to know like where literary begins and where it ends for you there. Because so, I don't, like, let's not call E.L. James literary fiction. <laughs> like, please, just yeah. just
0: for me. No, that's a really, that's a really great, um, I don't know if it's a counterpoint or rather just kind of a pushing point here. But I do think that there's something, um, when I think of the term literary, that stretches beyond um, personal experience with it. And I think so much of the success, you know, you've described to me before that some of the success of, of those books kind of comes in um, the ability to place yourself in it. You know, like if you're reading it, like you can feel like the character because maybe it's like sparse enough. Because she doesn't have a character. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Like it's sparse enough and not specific enough that you yourself can place yourself in it. And I'm not sure that I would call, um, I'm not sure I would call that. I call that almost a trait of that genre, if that makes sense. Like this ability um, to be to have like room for the reader. To enter, Like when I think of great literary fiction, there's not really much room for the reader to enter. You know, like the characters are well-formed and not, you know, they're themselves. You know, they're not you. And, um, you know, injecting yourself into it would have to happen on a more thematic level as opposed to a literal level. Like what you're talking about um, is on a much more, um, you know, emotional um, level tied it's directly. reactionary. To, tied directly to the story. Yeah. You know, like you can feel yourself being um, interacting within those pages, you know, and I'm You not,
1: too can kiss a werewolf. Exactly.
0: Like <laughs> and I think that, you know, literary fiction um at its best can be, you know, is engrossing like that, but it's engrossing in a way that's more appreciative than um
1: it takes you beyond the the placing yourself in the story yeah. and it and it makes you think about
0: Yeah, but now I'm thinking but now I guess you know. Maybe I don't have a good answer, but like now I'm even thinking, you know, about people who love literary fiction for certain things, and they say, you know, I felt so connected to this to character X. You know, I really felt like this. You know, I saw myself in this person, or I saw, you know, and I still think um, that there's something different between seeing yourself in this person and actually seeing nothing there that allows you to be that person. Does that make sense? Because I think a great trait of literary fiction is. Characters that you connect with, right? Even but though I think, you're nothing alike, but I think that that connection feels almost interpersonal. Like it feels like you would connect with a person you really like, as opposed to being that person. Yeah, I don't know, does that makes. I mean, and again, like you know, y- you know, come yell at me and the internet, like come, <laughs> come emails. Like I'm interested in bringing people into this discussion because I don't think that I, um, you know, this obviously isn't you know the answer key. Yeah, um, I,
1: I, I mean, like I, I like where your definition is at right now but but again like i feel like if we're kind of separating out the the interaction on kind of an interpersonal level as like a character as a is a real person or there's somebody very much unlike you that then you can kind of recognize some parts of yourself in and and kind of foster that connection that you wouldn't have in real life for example with um Like if we're separating separating that out from like, I feel like I'm Bella, you know, or like I love Fifty Shades of Grey because it's making me think about my life in certain and it's it's exposing me to new things, like I still feel like that interconnected kind of thing is, is kind of still requiring literary fiction to be, performative in certain ways,
0: performative more
1: to to performative as in, you know, like. As far as engagement, you know, engagement mm-hmm. with other people, you know, that's that's kind of one of the things where a lot of really popular literary fiction,
0: well, certainly becomes
1: has re- becomes, you know, part of a larger story. Like The Hate You Give,
0: yeah,
1: like a huge part of that story is not what's in the book, but yeah. it's it's about what's happened yeah. around the book, yeah. And so that's something that you you have to engage. With that kind of on a on a bigger level in it, and it's not yeah. it's not the same thing as just reading it and going, "Wow, I see myself in this person," right. or, "Or yeah. I'm connected to this person," or I, I don't know.
0: No, it's tricky, and we're kind of going in circles a little bit because that's what <laughs> trying to define literary makes you do. Um, because it's a word that feels really slippery and amorphous. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you know, for me, the thing with literary fiction is that so often the characters are so. Um, you know, they're drawn in such a way that as you connect with them and as you, um, you know, interact with the book in whatever way that you do, you, you're you watching someone who, even as you, you know, maybe view as familiar or view as, um, you know, connective to you or tangential to you in some way, is still another entity. Like, you know, you read that, you know, you read the book and you see the protagonist and maybe, you know, you relate strongly. But relating strongly is different than being that person. Yeah. Like I relate to you strongly in a lot of ways, you know, when we talk about things, but that doesn't mean that I think I'm Laura now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, <Darn>. it's like <laughs> um it's like I, I think there's still a certain separateness um, that comes from characters being formed as their own beings. That you know, in your example of like Twilight or something, where the character is maybe intentionally left unformed so that you can come fill it.
1: Or maybe not um, intentionally. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's um, another thing for another uh, yeah. day.
0: Um but you see what I'm saying? Like I think there's a slight difference there. Yeah. And, and maybe and maybe there's not. I mean, you know, like maybe this definition doesn't work. But um I think that the point is that for me, literary fiction succeeds at tapping into something. That is deeper than its own story.
1: One one thing that I feel like your your definition is perhaps missing, uh-huh. and you sure. know, like apologies to the audience because this is going to we're not going to come up with something here <laughs> we that's are, like done. Like we this are is in
0: the reads. This
1: is going to be a a, yeah. a discussion with no pleasing endpoint yeah, for yeah, anybody yeah. Sure. because we can't solve this because sure. this has been going on for decades. But one thing, one thing that wasn't really noted. I mean, you mentioned a little bit about. Form and doing something in a novel, exciting, fresh way, right? Yeah. But yeah. so much of what I, you know, we're talking about literary fiction and like words that go along with the idea of literary. Mm-hmm. One word that I see over and over and over and over and over again is like lyrical, mm. or poetic, yeah. or like haunting, or you yes. know, like these like quality, like these like qualifying language-based words
0: See, that feels like it taps into the, kind of the form level i'm talking about where there's something that succeeds on the writing level you know that is worth to, that it's kind of notable in and of itself too
1: but like is lyrical like inherently like better than no. I, m- I mean
0: no but i, fe- I like, feel uh, like I love, i'm seeing know, those things i can think of i mean there's tons of writers that we all like that no one would call lyrical, you know, like I, you know, say what you want about Hemingway. Um, but like Hemingway isn't lyrical, you know, like it's, um, like it's just, I think lyrical is just like a quality that some people or some writing tends to have. Um, but.
1: I feel like when people are talking about the writing in literary fiction, they're always talk about always like how see, poetic it is. That might
0: see, I might, um, I might have to. We may have to agree to disagree there. That I feel like not all literary fiction that gets praised is called lyrical. Um, oh, I not, think, I not think that that's it's spe- praised,
1: but I'm saying that when form is yeah. specifically called out, a lot of the times you're saying because lyrical has
0: become a synonym for good. Yes, and I, I think that I, um, I see what you're saying. I think that that might. I, I think that I disagree that it's as widespread as you're saying it is. Um, though I do, I, I, I do see it a lot um, too. Um, you know, and I think. Oftentimes it's because a lot of book reviewers don't necessarily have the um, widest vocabulary for how to talk about things, um, so they kind of throw the same – I remember doing that as – like when I was working in-house, um, you just have like the same 10 adjectives that you use over <laughs> and over and over again in <laughs> jacket copy and stuff, you know? Um And you have to like constantly check yourself to like find a different word, and you like sit there for like half an hour trying to find a different word for like groundbreaking. You know, (laughs) I I think I think some of that is probably a um, a function of people not necessarily being that good at talking about books.
1: Well, it's I think it's also a big part of it is it's a function of taking art and making it into a to a product. Yeah, you know, like you want it. Yeah. You know, there are certain ways that it's appropriate to talk about a a product to make it seem very desirable. Yeah. You know, making it seem beautiful, like lyrical, making it seem groundbreaking, making it seem fresh and exciting and innovative. Like all of these terms – like. These are terms that, that don't necessarily mean anything because they're grabbed by people just trying to convince Sell you to something. buy it. So buy that, it.
0: that brings up a really interesting point on that. Again, we, <laughs> we've drifted all over the place here, which I think is OK, um, hopefully. Um, Much
1: like uh, the literary <laughs> fiction category. <laughs>
0: um, I think that there is a distinct difference between the act of selling something and the act of critiquing something. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and I think that the the selling vocabulary is very different from the critiquing vocabulary. And I think that the selling vocabulary is where we get categories from. It's where we get, um, you know, it's where we get a lot of on a very functional business level in terms of publishers and bookstores and booksellers. Um, that's where we get these kind of hard and fast categories that don't necessarily do as good a job of engaging with books on a critical level. What's
1: allowed to be science fiction. Like that's why Emily St. John Mandel got really upset because her book is in the general fiction, literary fiction area of the bookstore, but it says science fiction on the back.
0: And I think that there's something really important to point out there, which is that there are, you know, there is a difference between um, discussing what a book is and figuring out where you're going to place a book. Like, you know, you know, booksellers talk about books in terms of you know where does it belong on the shelf um how can you know where is it fit what is it you know it's it's taxonomy it's the book version of you know taxonomy
1: yeah because and, you don't want somebody having what, to go from one end to the bookstore to the other to find right similar exactly books. exactly and yeah. but that's
0: a different and i think that these tasks conflated all the time that's a different task than the than art critique than book reviewing you know what i mean like a that's different than engaging with the writing on a level beyond just where should we set this in order to increase its sales potential um and it does kind of get into the you know we've talked a lot about you know book as art and book as product before and they, you know oftentimes they're one and the same but a lot of times they're different and i think some of the tension that comes up in these you know words like you know genre fiction and you know because genre has its own set of connotations as a word, too, right? Like, yeah. oh, that's so genre. You know, it's like that means the movie isn't really that deep. or are like, oh, it it's so cute. Exactly, you're writing exactly, you're writing exactly.
1: spaceships. Which
0: is also unfair, right? Oh, it's, but awful. it's a yeah. But it's a term that comes up um, from bookseller language, and it becomes incomplete and useless when you start to try to make it into a term in art critic language. And I think those are two separate things. And a lot of the problems that we end up with trying to discuss this stuff um, comes when people conflate them
1: yeah but i mean but you know a a critique and a review of a book in the new york times Mm -hmm. is a sales thing like like that's going to sell books or not
0: sell books the sale yeah the sale is the um it certainly often is an effect but i do think it's somewhat separate like i think like um you know being a book reviewer is you know your task is not to help sell books your task is to talk about the book in an engaging way that, I mean, it may, you know, maybe it's a bad review. You don't even, I mean, on, on often the idea is not to sell a book. The idea is simply to talk about the book. And, you know, that's where bad reviews come from. It's where reviews that, um, you know, publishers like and don't like come yeah. from. Like, I feel like that is, that even that is a separate task from, unless, you know, you've got someone who really, and that's why you, um, that's why you get so many, you know, there's these rules where you can't really have reviewers Um. At outlets who know the author or have a really strong relationship with the publisher, right? Like, because otherwise, it's just a blurb. Like that's that's different than an independent review. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's some attention paid to trying to keep those worlds separate. I don't know.
1: Some might succeed a little <laughs> bit better than others. Oh, certainly, but certainly. So, so, I have a I have a pub tip this week, which yeah. is very closely related to <laughs> what we've been talking about. Sounds good. Um, so I, I've been answering a lot of queries recently, um, obviously, (laughs) uh, (laughs) and, and one thing that I notice is, you know, I've been paying a lot of attention to why I've been saying no, because I've been doing my, my Twitter series, 500 queries. Um, and, and it's something that, you know, I don't think agents think about too much why they say no. Mm -hmm. It's just that they say no. Yeah. Um and one thing that I've noticed is I've been seeing no a lot lady, lately because in the way that the authors talk about their books it's it's lacking a lot of nuance. Okay. And and which I think is something that that is that we should look for, you know, in in liter uh, literary fiction, you know that that nuance that's a very important part of kind of good good special literature. Mm-hmm. Um and i'm so i'm so surprised it took us all the way to this point <laughs> for in this, to, do that. to do the voice <laughs> she does
0: that every, every day like
1: L- literal. <laughs> yeah, um yeah. and so so the nuance and particularly the nuance that i'm looking for and of course in a query you only have 350 yeah. words like you don't have right. a lot of space here but we've always talked about in queries you have you know the character and what they want and how they're going to get it mm-hmm. right seems really simple and but what I'm what I'm most interested in, like what kind of what kind of speaks, you know, especially because you know we talked about a little bit earlier. I'm I'm leaning towards that literary side of things. Yeah, um, make sure that you build in room for nuance in terms of the motivations of your characters you know and like their relationships like what directions are they being pulled in building like, room in your
0: query yeah, build yeah in
1: room in your query for yeah. that and make sure that also like it's in your book yeah. you know it can't just be <laughs> yeah
0: that's a good you know, point. it
1: can't just be like harold and kumar go to white castle where literally all they want is white castle yeah like there there has to be something more you know that that kind of Makes it more of a journey, more of a more of an opportunity for growth, more of an opportunity for self-discovery, more of an opportunity to deepen or, you know, make relationships more shallow yeah. or, you know, leave something behind. Like you have to you have to build in space mm-hmm. for the plot to actually influence the reader or influence the the main character yeah. in more ways than just this happened to them. Mm-hmm. So that's a very like. Esoteric, and well, we talk about, <laughs> we talk, I mean, yeah. this
0: is, a, you know, honestly a good plug for the queries show we do um, where we kind of talk about kind of bringing to life, um, you know, the plot summary in your query. And I think a great rule of thumb for that is just to, you know, if you can really figure out how to, like, summarize your characters, mo- like, the key motivation of your book and what's propelling the plot forward in, like, a sentence or two, that's going to really bring your query to life, too, yeah. you know. Um, and. We'll leave it there so that people actually feel <laughs> compelled to check out our query episodes. But yeah, but, um, yeah but, motivation is – I think you're right. Motivation is a key thing to pay attention and, to. And specifically,
1: you know, the the complex formation of yeah. motivation like behind kind mm-hmm. of the basic this is what the character wants. You know, there's a lot of reasons that build into the way that people act and the way that the, that people want something. And I want to – at least have that hinted at that there's more than just like I want to win a beauty pageant because I want to. <laughs> you know, like like there's gotta be more than that.
0: I think you have to do the next episode in that voice. I think that'd be better for all of us.
1: We'll see. Yeah. Okay. If you play if you play DD with me next weekend. Oh God. We'll see. Wow. Um and on that note, on that good. Dungeons and Dragon note, <laughs> uh thank you for joining us for this, our 22nd episode of Print run. Remember, our first page show comes out this Thursday. Our query show for this month is already out. If you want to get your query or first page um, critiqued next month, send it to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week.
0: Bye.